walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, podcast about basketball in the Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, uh, and with me this afternoon is a somewhat preoccupied Coach Dave Levine. He's got a big game tonight. I'll let him say more if he chooses, um, but he is over there nerding out on some scouting footage. I'm going to get his attention, and we're going to do the intro to this week's episode. Well, I also have not one, but two cups of coffee in front of me, thanks to you. That is correct. I have a hot coffee that I got from Pete's on my way over here. Again, not a sponsor, but Pete's were available. And I have a nice iced coffee from you, Duffy, so thank you. The yin and yang, the yin and yang. Uh, we're gonna do a cold plunge and then a hot tub uh, at Frogs afterwards. Frogs also not a sponsor yet. Not, not yet. Are they still in business? I think so. Okay. We'll, we'll can, we can clean this up in post, as they say right, in the industry. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, we have a, our San Domenico girls, we have a big game tonight down the road here uh, against rival University. So we're in into league play for Bay County's league, uh, and University won the league last year, beat us four times, uh, just a D4 powerhouse. Mary Heil does an amazing job. So this one's been circled for us for a while, Duff, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I saw a couple of those games last year. You guys were right in them for periods of time and then just a, like a little bit of a shooting drought in a third quarter and they are deep and they execute they got a lot of skilled players um, but you're bringing some strength this year Dave. We, got, we got we got some new players we have our, our juniors are now seniors uh one thing kids if you're listening make your free throws university beat us last year one of the four times they beat us and i think they were 10 for 10 from the line in the last four minutes of the game uh, we were, you know, we were down single digits, but we started fouling to put them on the line, and they just didn't miss. I and remember that's that. The mark yeah. of a really good team. That was a home game, and I believe, as I recall, I don't know that they scored a basket other than they didn't score other than free throws. Other than free throws, yes. But they yeah. didn't miss a free throw yeah. and ended up winning the game by what six or eight. Yeah. So yes, thank was, you for being there, Duffy. That was nice of you to support us. That was not to go on uh, too long of a tangent, but your. Half-court defense in that game, I recall, it was just pressure, 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 pressure. Summer and Lily, they yeah. were just up in people. And Avery, yeah, that that was a defensive clinic. And but that's Mike Fulton. They, they made their free throws and they won. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this a lot um, just with a couple of our interviews this year about how good uh, the coaching is in Marin, right? And the hallmark is defense. And it's boys' side, girls' side, but that what you're talking about, that's Mike Fulton, right? That's classic Fulton just... Half-court defense, pressure, no middle, really good fundamental teacher of defense. Yeah. And yeah. we can hang with anybody. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, we have also San Domenico boys playing at university today as well. That will be another good matchup. San Domenico has been playing well, although they had to skip a game because of a COVID outbreak. Uh, but they could stick with the university this year. Last year, they did not. Uh, and then before we actually jump into our scripted content, Dave, I want to mention that um, James... Shipman, one of my teachers at Marin Academy, Marin Academy, he once took our Asian Studies class uh, to Frogs, so we could talk a little bit about the 
the yin and the yang as concepts. Wow, you're getting really erudite here, Duff. Right. And then I also made a stir fry dish in class. Wow, wow. It's a Marin Academy education. Seriously. Old school, old school style. I'm interested in this. Let's, let's, uh, after this, let's talk about your stir fry. Okay, let's get to uh, our schedule here, Duff. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, well, first of all, thanks to our listeners for hanging with us during our week of interviews. Uh, we, were, we were excited to get those out to you. Um, interviews we banked over the last couple months. A lot of fun to talk to these amazing people. Uh, we have more to come, and we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, we're now in, in league play, right, Duff? Both the MCAL, Bay County's league. Everybody's in the middle of league. In league. And you know, at least for the MCAL, uh, Dave, we're less than a week in but also less than a month away from the final. I was looking at the schedule today. They have not yet expanded uh, the number of teams that are eligible for the playoffs, but I did put a phone call into them today, Dave, just to see if there was any possibility. Um, and maybe we'll have the Woodalls uh, on our podcast sometime yeah. just to talk about MCAL. They've been involved for a long time. But yeah, less than, less than a month away. So let's swing into some updates. It's been exceptionally competitive and I don't know if people are changing their mind about the home and away change because all the games that were supposed to be blowouts so far have been tight, at least on the boys' side. On the boys' side the in boys particular, side. yeah. There have been some close games. I'll, I'll hit the girls' side, and then you can talk on the boys' side. But uh, the intensity of these games, uh, and Mike Sai, I think, said this in a, the IJ article. Our friend Derek Wilson wrote a great article about the MC game that you'll get to. And Mike said, you know, with this new schedule, every game is like a playoff game. Yeah. And you can see that in the, in the results. So uh, I'll hit the girls' side. So we're, we're, we're off and running. Um, I already mentioned our Bay County's League. Um, our Sentimento girls beat Urban handily last week in our first league game. We have University Today. Marin Academy's off to a good start as well. Um, and the MCAL, a um, little bit of an upset last night. Archie Williams beat Branson uh, in a close game. Um, that was a great game. It was a great game. And Archie looks a lot better executing better, taking care of the ball, and really tough on defense. Awesome. Zach's, Zach Wally does a great job with that team. Um, Tam has been uh, really strong this year, the Tam girls, and they beat Terralinda uh, handily last night. Uh, Tam is certainly in the playoff mix um, and had an amazing double overtime game against San Marin um, in their first league game that I think San Marin, um, they beat them in double overtime, though. Great game. Redwood beat San Rafael last night. Redwood is really hitting on all cylinders. And I actually, next week, uh, I have a quick interview that I did with Zach Barello, Redwood's coach, to do a bit of an update on the Redwood team. But they're looking very good. They're on, I think, a 10-game winning streak. Um, looking great. And then uh, Marin Catholic uh, beat San Marin um, last night. And uh, Marin Catholic also hitting their stride. Ashley Saya, we've talked about her a lot. Uh, they've, they've got a very deep team. So I think MC and Redwood continue to be kind of the class of the league. And then you got San Marin and Tam and Archie and Branson and, um, you know, these other teams, San Rafael, these other teams that are kind of knocking on the door. In the mix, in the mix. Certainly yeah. in the mix. And then speaking of San Marin, uh, Tony Butler, our, our good friend Tony, he's an awesome guy. He's the head coach of the San Marin girls. He previously was a, a boys coach for many years at San Rafael. He's one of the founders and um, or one of the early guys at NBBA. Um, he sent us a quick voice memo that we will play right now with uh, just some thoughts on his San Marin girls team, which is in a rebuilding year. 
but they've got a fabulous future ahead of them. So let's hear from Tony about the San Marin girls. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Tony Butler here, checking in, giving you our season preview for the podcast. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Uh, the girls are getting ready to play in the West Coast Jamboree, as you mentioned. Uh, we are 6-3 and three going into tonight's game, going into tonight's game versus Dixon. Uh, we are a super young team. Uh, we returned less than 4% of our statistics. So uh, we are learning on the fly. We have two seniors, uh, one of which played last year. So we are figuring it out as we go. Uh, that being said, uh, the girls are super bought in. We had a very successful JV team last year. We got a number of girls to play around the calendar. So it is not a complete restart in terms of basketball. Uh, but we are getting some road bumps along the way, which is expected. But the girls have a great attitude. And uh, every day at practice and in the gym is a lot of fun. And uh, we're getting to where we need to go. Uh, as far as leadership goes, uh, Quincy Dean, she's our leader. Uh, she's uh, got the most experience on the floor, uh, her along with Emma Rogers, uh, senior. Uh, Quincy's junior, Emma's a senior. Um, they are captains and, and leading the way. Um, we're getting contributions from a handful of other girls. Uh, Amaya Sims, a junior. Angela Stickle, a junior. Um, Abby Bartolo, uh, a sophomore. And a couple of freshmen, uh, Brianna Nottingham, Angelini Butler are getting a lot of run. Gianna Garbarino, another sophomore. So as you can see, uh, we are super young. And it's just about experience right now. And every game, it seems to be something different uh, that we can learn from and improve from. So looking forward to the season and checking back in with you guys soon. Uh, be good. All right, cool. So should we move to the boys, Dan? Yeah, and I'll just say real quick. So since that time that Tony recorded that, they were six and three going into that recording. That was a couple of weeks ago, as you could tell. They're now twelve and five. So, since that time, they've had some great success, had good performance in the West Coast Jamboree, and uh, certainly in the playoff mix for the girls' side. Yes, take it away, Duff, on the boys' side. All right. So last night, uh, Marin Catholic beat San Marin in a close game. Uh, Marin Catholic also got a close win over Redwood in a non-league game over the weekend. And uh, I think they might have been provoked by the fact that they met a very hot shooting Archie Williams team last Friday night. And we shot the leather off the ball against them, Dave, and had a, had a great win. Unbelievable so, win for you guys. I think you said, Duff, you guys were, was it 12 for 18 from three? 12 for 18. And uh, we, yeah, 18 assists, only six, six turnovers, a couple extra ones in the very final minutes. But anyway, yeah, uh, MC has really turned it around. Joe Hammond, uh, who's just been eligible yep. and back from injury, Playing great, apparently. Charles Williams has been putting up some big numbers in games. So they look, they look tough. Um, and then Redwood, uh, as I mentioned, did have a close game uh, against MC that they lost, close game against Branson, non-league last week that they lost, uh, and they beat San Rafael by two. And so that brings us to a San Rafael update from our friend of the pod. Steve Tornello. Steve Tornello. And this is great. Uh, Dave, he set it up so that it is questions that I ask you. Oh, wow. Okay. Listeners, I have not seen any of this. Yeah. All right. Do you know how many buzzer beaters there were in the NBA last season? Total. 22. Uh, 17. That's so, a pretty good guess. 
1,230 games. That's one for every 72 NBA games. Okay. Um, the year before, one out of every 89 games. So, San Rafael, as we've noted on this podcast, rock fight city. Yes. They've had some tough games, including against us at Archie. Uh, how often have they lost on a buzzer beater? Every third game. Very good guess. At this point, because they lost not on a buzzer beater, but by missing a buzzer beater okay. to Redwood, it's one out of every five games. I'm but doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. So yeah, tough luck for San Rafael, but that means they're hanging in games. They're in games. Gio Bravelli averaging 23 a game. Wow. Really tough uh, cover. So there you go. That is your San Rafael update from friend of the pod, Coach Tornello. Love it. All right. Uh, okay. Moving on. So Tam beat Tara Linda in another close game. Tam is now 2-0 after a win over San Marin last week. So they are looking great. Uh, play very tough defense. Uh, prior to that, Tara Linda had a couple guys that were out and they played against San Domenico at San Domenico. You and I were both at that game, uh, Dave, and San mm -hmm. Domenico boys looked great. Yes, they did. Um, and after that, friend of the podcast, Johnny Kearns, Gave us a little update, so we're going to share that. He had a, a quick interview with Coach Baker. Take it, Johnny. Take it. Okay, I'm here with Coach Baker against uh, TL versus San Domenico. Uh, tough day today. Starting out, Chase Adelman being out sick. Um, tough, tough game. TL loses 71-46. Thoughts on today's contest, Coach? Well, they played well. They shot the ball well. We didn't. We weren't full staffed. Our guys wasn't really playing as a unit today. I mean, I think without Chase, who's a starter and, and puts up a pretty uh, good amount of our points. Second lead scorer. Yeah. yeah, so it made a huge difference. Uh, David, as well, we have a kid on our team. David, he used to put about 10 to 15 lately in the last three or four games. He was out. So, you know, we've been behind, I would say, I guess, I don't know. I mean, we just, we, don't, we, didn't, have, we didn't have what we needed to win today. I mean, and they shot the ball well, so. Yeah. Yeah, San Domenico uh, looked like they were fresh, um, shot the three ball well. Uh, thoughts on your guys? It looked like you were talking to some guys about not getting a little three happy and taking it to the hole. Correct. Did I read that right? Yeah, I mean, we, what we want to do is we, ideally our, we don't have a great amount of shooters. We don't have a great amount of shooters, but, um, you know, we get to the basket fairly well, I think, and that's what gets us going in the end. I said it helps, it helps open things up so where the guys that can shoot the ball is able to shoot it. And today, we didn't do that today. Yeah, understood. All right, Coach, moving on. Thanks for talking, as always. All right. All right, my man. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, Duff, I will say, Johnny, thank you for repping the pod. Every time I see him at a game, he's wearing his, his Run he TMC sure shirt. He sure is. Yeah. So we appreciate he's it. Awesome. All right, and then last one. So we played Branson yesterday, uh, Dave, and uh, Branson got the win, but we felt quite proud of our, our effort. Uh, we battled against them. They were obviously a high-level uh, team that's been playing in high-level, I guess, high-level competition. And speaking of which, uh, friend of the podcast and correspondent Mike Mahoney, still in the running for best shooter in Marin County, uh, he sent an email update uh, just last week. So it doesn't include the game last night. Uh, but they played both in the Gridley Invitational uh, that uh, has really high-level competition. They went 2-1, and one, losing the championship game on a 30-foot buzzer beater in overtime uh, to Salesian. 
uh, anyway, the Salesian, very top team, going to be an open, you know, open uh, tourney team uh, in the NCS. Jace Butler won the tourney MVP. First guy to win the MVP without winning the tournament since 2002. That's good. Uh, that's good trivia from Mike. And that was Demarcus Nelson, who ended up at Duke. Mm-hmm. I remember him. And then they played in the Tarkanian Classic in Las Vegas, either before or after that. I, I'm not sure of the order of these tournaments. I think I was after. Uh, so they played in the Platinum Division. That sounds like a very high division to yep. me, Dave. Uh, top level uh, for non-prep school division. Insanely talented group of teams in this tournament from all over the country. They played teams from California, Arizona, Florida, and they went 2-2 two and two in the tournament. I believe they were pretty much all close games. Yep. Uh, and considering how deep the talent pool was, a very good outcome. Uh, so then they came back home and they played a couple tight games uh, in MCAL. They are insanely talented. Uh, they play well together. They get out and run. They play really tough defense on the ball, and then they're going the other way. One more thing. They also played in L.A. at the Damien Classic, uh, which if our listeners think that sounds familiar, Rick Winner um, mentioned that tournament when he was the coach at Damien. But that's a, a great tournament. Redwood played in the, in the Classic at Damien as well. And Branson went 2-2 two and two again, uh, playing really high-level teams. Um, they lost to Roosevelt, who eventually won the, the tournament championship. So Branson playing a, just an extremely challenging uh, preseason schedule. Great. Well, thank you to our correspondents. This is awesome to get this content. It makes recording easier for us, and it makes us uh, able to spit out trivia that we otherwise would have a hard time finding. And uh, Dave, what time is it now? Let me check my watch. Oh, Duffy, it's sponsor time. Well, no. Today, when I say what time is it, it's time to let Kenya in, because Kenya's been scratching at the door. Can I let Kenya in? Our podcast dog, as long as she doesn't snore. All right. So, uh, yeah. so now we can move on to sponsor time after we let Kenya in. All right. I'll start, Duff, while we let Kenya in. Kenya might be interested in this sponsor. Um, our friends at Jesse and Laurent, uh, I'm just going to give you their website and let you, our listeners, go check out. Just look at the food there. It'll make you very hungry. www.jessie, J-E-S-S-I-E, and Laurent, L-A-U-R-E-N-T.com, ready-made meal delivery service. Outstanding food, convenient, um, just a great company. We're very honored to have them as a sponsor. Thank you, Jesse and Laurent. Indeed, it's not too early to start to plan for your NFC Championship party and or your Super Bowl don't party. Just don't jinx, don't jinx anything. It. Don't jinx anything. I can't wait to see the Tampa, Tampa Bay Bucks return to the Super Bowl yes. without, without Tom Brady. Two what unnamed NFL teams <laughs> will play in the NFC Championship game. Uh, okay, who's our other sponsor that we're going to talk about today, Duffy? Uh, we love the hub. And I'm just going to say that if you have a pregame, if you say, for example, you're going to go see Redwood play, Archie play, San Domenico play, there's always a great environment pregame uh, at the hub. You might catch Jerry Bugas doing a little pregame in himself if Archie's playing. Uh, and you know, just an atmosphere of people that are doing different things at the hub. They might be doing something social with the family. They might be at the bar watching a game. But you're pretty much always going to find someone who's got a friendly face at the hub, not to mention the great food absolutely, and and milkshakes. So thank you, Hub. Uh, Before we move on from the sponsors, Dave, just to note that starting next week, we will be looking at a sponsorship pledge drive because our sponsors are running out the clock on their ad placement. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Just a preview of a, a coming attraction, a pledge drive. There you go. A little foreshadowing for you. 
Cool. All right. Uh, final segment before we get to our to, interview. Go to the interview. So uh, no glossary today, Dave, because we knew it would be a long uh, update uh, from MCAL, but we do have a drill down. So the Dave Levine drill down. Drill of the day from Dave Levine. So this one uh, came up about 10 minutes ago. I was just mentioning to Duffy that yesterday I, I uh, introduced a new drill to our team. It was a shooting drill and our girls really liked it, so I thought I'd share it. I found it online um, that a coach who I like mentioned that he uses it. Uh, we'll call it 40 baskets, but you can call it whatever you want. But basically you have five shooters uh, in the five spots baseline baseline wing wing top we had a, we had our kids shooting threes uh our three-point shooters shooting threes and then if you're mid-range shooters you can obviously shoot from the mid-range so five shooters everybody else is a rebounder so we had five shooters five rebounders uh and four basketballs put three minutes on the clock and just have the kids shoot and so it's a little bit of chaos right you've got basketballs bouncing around you got to find the open player it's a catch and shoot drill every 10 or 15 seconds the coach will say rotate and the players just rotate clockwise. So they're moving a spot, one spot clockwise and just basically see how many baskets you can make in three minutes, right? You have somebody at the, at the scoreboard. I was at the scoreboard kind of keeping track. Um, our girls did great. I think we made 75 shots in three minutes, which was, was awesome. So now we have that as a benchmark. So the next time we do it, let's beat 75. Um, thought it was a really fun drill. Got a lot of shots up, a little competitive, a little bit chaos, communication, and after the drill, um, Carly Amborn uh, came up to me and said, can we do that again? Like she really liked it. So uh, a lot of fun. That's great. Now you could do it with two teams, right? You could do it as a competition. Absolutely. So the way we did it was, so we have 10 healthy players right now. So we had five players shooting, five players rebounding. If you've got a team of 15 and you've got a couple coaches, you can do it at both ends of the floor and do it at the same time. Or the way we just did it was we had five shooters, five rebounders. For three minutes then put another three minutes on the clock and just flip it right shooters yeah. become rebounders re rebounders become shooters that's great exactly yeah, we did uh, you've done this a lot Dave but we last year in CYO we would do team shooting contests yeah two sides of the floor you, you have two balls or maybe you have one ball depending on the number of people you have and you, you have three people and four players in the corner they got to make three in a row there uh, or two in a row or three total and then they move on yeah and you got two sides going at the same time but the pressure shooting is important, I think, especially on game day, it yeah. helps. Uh, and then the reps. Uh, Russ has had our guys doing, uh, we did it in the walkthrough before our game against Rin Catholic last, last week, team shooting competition where two balls, you got five, five V5 on either side of the court, a guy's dribbling down, getting in the lane, pivoting, kicking back out yep. to a shooter, and then you're just rotating through. So everyone's moving, you know, moving to the shot every time as opposed to, you know, static. Standing still, exactly. And just a lot of shots up. And you do it for two minutes and you're just doing a competition one side versus the next, the upperclassmen versus, you know, the underclassmen, that sort of thing. So this is a good segue into our interview, uh, if I may, Duff, because we have... You may. We have Dave Granucci. Um, so this is episode 20. We've done more interviews than 20. We have a few banked. Um, I've loved every single person we've talked to. I've loved single, every single interview. Um, I got to say, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I've come back and listened to this one a lot for a lot of reasons. But one of the things we touch on with Dave is just what we're talking about, the importance of shooting in season, right? Yeah. And incorporating shooting and skill work into your practices. Um, but Dave Granucci is a, was a fantastic player. He's 6'9" but handled the ball is like a Magic Johnson kind of player, uh, a perimeter player at 6'9". Smooth, controlled, skilled, thoughtful player on the court, a leader on the court. 
and then became just an awesome coach and has coached at the high school level, JC, Division II, um, played Division I basketball himself at San Jose State. Um, we go into all this with him. I thought this was a really fun interview. And uh, I, again, I've come back and listened to this one a lot um, just to pick up some nuggets. I have not, Dave, come back and listened to it very much, but I anticipate doing so in the near future. But I have looked through my notes and I took more notes during this interview than I think any other one, which probably speaks to the level of engagement Yeah. Uh, and really fun conversation, as you say. And then we went and had lunch afterwards and continued the conversation yeah. at lunch. So yeah, this was great. Uh, Dave is amazing. And we do want to do a quick plug for his 707 premiere uh, and their camps as well as their AAU. So you can check them out at www.707premier.com or on Instagram at, at 707premier. So they have spring AAU coming up. They just finished up their winter camps. So please uh, check that out, especially if you're up in the 707. But even if you're not, even if you're not. If That's you right. If you don't mind a little commuting time. That's right. All right, let's, uh, let's get to Dave and then Duff, you and I can catch up after and give some thoughts on it. It sounds like a... Really solid plan, Dave. Thank you. All right. We're going. We're going. <clears throat> Excellent. Dave Granucci, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, very happy to have our friend Dave Granucci. If that, that last name sounds familiar, Dave is the younger brother of episode two guest, John Granucci, one of five Granucci's. We'll talk about the Granucci's and who's going to win the game of horse. <laughs> uh, Dave, I'll do your background here. Grew up in Marin. Played at Drake under Doug Donnellan, was a fantastic player at Drake, uh, all league on really good teams, played with John Granucci, Tom Poser in the early 90s, uh, then went to play JC Ball at City College of San Francisco, Yes, right, for Justin LeBaugh? Uh Harry Ponizopoulos. Okay. Yeah, who had a four-year uh, run there that was unbelievable. Nice. Great. And he's probably like... My favorite coach of all time, big time mentor. Awesome. All right, well, yeah. I want to come back to that. Yeah, because um, City College has had a great legacy. Yeah, um, but Justin was an assistant coach there. There we go. And we were the same age. Nice. Okay. <laughs> and Justin's been there. He's been the head coach there. They've won the state a couple times. He's really good. Uh, Dave then went from City College to play Division One at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left San Jose State and played pro ball, pro ball in Italy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For a couple years. And then came back and embarked on a long coaching career, which he's continued to this day. So he was an assistant coach at City College of San Francisco for a few years. Then he went to College of Marin as an assistant and then took over as head coach at College of Marin and had some great teams at College of Marin. He then moved up to Washington, where he was the assistant coach at St. Martin's, a Division II school, coaching under Alex Pribble, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Another Drake legend um, who is going to be a guest on this podcast, currently the head coach at Idaho. Uh, that team, I saw them play, actually. Uh, Luke Chavez was on that team, Bucky's son. We also had Brandon Kennelvort, and Mike Hayward was a volunteer assistant. So a lot of Drake, yeah, a lot, lot of Drake uh, vibes on that St. Martin's team. That's awesome. Uh, Dave then came back to California to take over as head coach at Justin Siena High School in Napa. Were you there three, four years? Three years. Three years? yeah. yeah. Uh, and then joined the Sonoma State coaching staff, Division II, uh, as an assistant coach for a couple years under uh, Rich Shaywitz, who's been there for a long time. And now Dave has started his own club basketball program called 707 Premier, 
which we're going to talk about. So he's he's disrupting the club basketball uh, landscape up in in the north, uh, which is awesome. So Dave is he's an old friend. Uh, he's a fantastic player. He's a great coach. He's a great guy. You can see this. He's six nine. Yeah. 6'9", and can handle the ball, can shoot it, can pass. One of the most fun players to play with. Basically Magic Johnson, but Marin style. Um, and a uh, great coach. And I loved watching his teams play. I would go to his College of Marin games a lot with John and watch. And the, the, those teams were awesome. And he kind of rebuilt that program. And you're a really good recruiter. Um, I want to talk about that. We always find it's interesting to talk about the recruiting process. So, Dave... Let's talk about you uh, developing as a player. So um, you grew a lot in high school, right? Or, or when did you? When was your growth spurt? Uh, it was pretty gradual, actually. Yeah, um, I think when I got into high school, I was six two. Okay. And then when I when I was by my senior year, I was six six, and then I grew another two and a half three inches. Yeah. After. Um, so yeah, so I, it was it was never like I never hit a spurt where like I grew like five inches in the summer or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So were you always a good? Because I, I remember way back like when Duffy and I used to work out with the Fultons at Fairfax Pavilion. You were there. You were tiny. You were just a little kid. Yeah. You could always handle the ball. You could always shoot it. Yeah. So as you started to grow, did you did you get pressure from your coaches like, hey, you got to get down in the post or or because you you always seemed like you could handle the ball, right? Yeah. So how did how did that how that man? How'd you manage that? Um, I, I was lucky. Uh, my my dad was my coach, uh, so he coached us in CYO um, yeah. all the way up from third grade through eighth grade. Um, obviously, we all had great coaches and camps sure. around this area. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what my my dad taught us every day in practice um, and emphasized was just basic fundamental skills. So there was never. I mean, it wasn't like he was like this guru that understood, understood positionless basketball. But yeah. it was just like, hey, you're whatever size you are now, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Let's teach you the basic skills of ball handling, passing, shooting, um, you know, playing different positions. So uh, that's how we were all taught the game. So like every one of those kids that played with us in CYO, when they went on to play high school, they all had the ability to do, to step out, whether they were tall you know, do different things skill-wise because they were taught those basic fundamentals at a young age. So that's that's kind of how it started. Um, and I actually, I just felt really comfortable away from the basket, at least facing the basket. Yeah. Even as I grew and, and got got pigeonholed, not pigeonholed, got put into a position yeah. where I had to play of power forward center position, uh, a lot of what I did as I got... Uh, um, you know, got to college and, yeah. and beyond was kind of a point forward. They'd run a lot of offense through me, right? Not to to essentially finish the play, but to to lead, you know, the assist or the hockey assist to to right. um, to run the offense. So I always felt more comfortable facing the basket, and I think it has to do with the fact that when I was younger, I would just we were taught those those skills, and then when we would go out and play in our backyard, it was you know I wasn't working on post moves; I was working on shooting. And we would play one-on-one, and it was always facing the basket. So yeah. I think all those different things. Yeah. yeah. So when you um, when you were growing up, and that's cool. I forgot that Ron was your was your coach. I mean, did you have 
How did you get better, do you think? Was it from playing pickup at the Drake Outdoor Courts? Was it working on your skills by yourself? Was it playing one-on-one with your brother Greg and your brother John and your sisters Anj and Mare? Yeah. Like, what do you attribute to how you develop such great skill? Uh, I think it's it's all of that. Yeah, I think if, if you break it down, so like John and I talk about this all the time, <clears throat> um, and I think he brought it up when we were talking to, to uh, the Archie Williams kids about how playing against those older guys. Yeah. You know, um, where you kind of, you're going to get beat up, yeah. you know, but you're also learning how to play and you're also going in and playing a role. So you have an understanding of like, hey, I'm not going to come in here and shoot every shot. I'm going to come in here and right. I'm going to defend. I'm going to rebound. I'm going to not turn the ball over. Yeah. So these guys so you stay trust on the court. me. Yeah, and I can stay on the court. Yeah. So there's that part of it. Um, I went through a phase where um, I was I was kind of, when, I, when this was younger, probably before junior high, I was kind of better than everybody. And then what I found as I got to junior high is the kids started to grow. I wasn't growing like I was before. I wasn't the tallest kid anymore. So people were catching up. To they you. were catching up. They were getting better. Um, and I realized I got I to gotta start working on my game. I can't just bank on the fact that I'm better than people. So I started every night. I'd come home and I'd, I'd be in the backyard working on ball handling. Yep. I'd take uh, the Lavin uh, Lavin camp had a booklet yep. of different drills to do for the for in the off season. I'd take that booklet and I and I I do every drill that yep. they had, and uh, and I saw myself improve. So there was that. Uh, my oldest brother Greg, yeah. who was probably the least talented out of all five of us got the most of his ability yeah. because he was up at six in the morning during the summer, opened up the Drake gym, worked out, and then he'd work the camp. Then he'd play in the summer league. He'd run the summer league as far as opening and closing the gym. Yeah. So I learned that work ethic too. So I'd go in in the mornings with him and a lot of times I'd rebound for him. I wouldn't, he wouldn't let me work out with him. It was more of me rebounding and, right. and, and fetching the ball. But I learned that like, all right, I gotta, I gotta work on my game. Like this guy's in college. He played a, Started Sac State when they were Division Two, then yep. went to Sonoma State. Yeah, but he uh, he worked his tail off. I remember, and, and and I learned then that like I need to start working. Yeah, and 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 I need to 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 spend time on my own working on my game to gain confidence. I need to continue to play with the older guys just to learn how to play, get tougher, stronger, and then then we we definitely we would play uh, in the backyard two on two, and that was usually. Uh, yeah, who are the teams? So it was me and Ma- my sister Meredith. Yep. Uh, Meredith played four years at Drake. Uh, was tough as nails. Totally. Dive on the floor. Yeah. All that stuff. She was she was great. She was super competitive. So it was me and her versus Greg and John. Oh wow! And uh, uh, Meredith would have to guard Greg. And Greg's Greg's built a little bit different than yeah. us. He's 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 strong and and sturdy. And and we're all kind of long and, and lanky. And and uh, and he would. I mean, he wouldn't let up on her. No mercy. No. And I don't know if we ever finished a game. It always ended in a fight. <laughs> and then and then Angela, our youngest uh, sister, would be out. Like, she would stand outside of the court, yeah. right? So if we ever lost our dribble, we could throw to her to get it back. She's a safety valve. A safety valve right okay. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So she would just sit there and then throw it back. And, and it was, I miss those. Those days were awesome. I mean, it was a small court, you know. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to that. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. But it was... Uh, um, we looked forward to it. It was it was a blast. I, we loved it. those. 
it taught me a lot, you know, because you're working in a small space too, so you have to be efficient with what you're doing. Totally. Um, and then, uh, and then just competing the physicality of it because it was just, yeah. I mean, it was no fouls were called. We were just we were beating each other up. You know, you so. guys all know how to play, and and I we talked about this with your brother. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. It's really unique. It's not unique to have a, a big family of five kids. I think it is unique that all five of those kids play the same sport and they're all really good at it. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing when you think about that, right? I mean, totally. everybody's got their own interests. Everybody's got their own profession. You all played basketball. You were all really good. You all played multiple years of varsity at a really good on really good teams at yeah. Drake. I mean, that's 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 pretty cool. It is cool. It is cool. And and the funny thing about it is is my dad never played. Yeah. My mom played. I think I think yeah. John told you the story a yeah. little bit. Um but my dad had a real, real passion for it. Like he really did. Like he, yeah. we'd come home. He was a big Celtics fan, so we watched the Celtics. Um, but uh, and I think I, I actually kind of give a lot of credit to my oldest brother Greg because he kind of paved the way, paved the way a little bit, in, in that he got really into it. Yeah. And I think that just kind of bled down. That set to the tone. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was kind of. You know, I remember when he was deciding which high school to go to. It was it was kind of like whatever high school he decides between Marine Catholic and Drake. We're probably all going to go to that same school, right? You know, and he chose Drake, so we're just kind of like, all right, we're all going to Drake now. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of we kind of followed that path, but we all played up until eighth grade. We played every sport. We played. We swam. Baseball. We, baseball. Soccer. Yeah. You know, we did everything. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So when you get to Drake, um, when you started playing for Drake, had Doug taken over, or was Pete still there? Pete Hayward. My there. freshman year. Uh, I played. I played freshman. Um, uh, Pete was still there. I think it was. Was it Pete's last? No, I take that back. It was Doug's first year. Okay, my freshman year. But Pete was helping him out. That's right. Yeah, he was and, assistant coach. Yeah, and Paul Trevor and Mark Lewis, both Drake guys. Awesome. Great yeah. guys. Amazing. Uh, um, Trev's obviously had Stanislaus. Yep. Doing a great job there. Um, uh, they were my our coaches, our freshman, uh, uh, my freshman coaches, and they were unbelievable. Paul Trevor uh, would like to get him on. One of my favorite people, amazing coach at Cal State Stanislaus, as you said. Um, just a great inspiration for people. And then let's give Duff. Let's give some love to Mark Lewis. Hi, Lou. Absolutely. Mark Lewis. His dad was George Lewis, right? Was the athletic director at at Drake for many years. But Lou was teacher. a yeah. great shooter, lefty. Has played in our adult league and is just a fantastic human. Has been teaching at Los Lomas High School in Walnut Creek for. I don't know, 20 years, 25 years. Um, great guy, great basketball player. One of the most beautiful shots I've seen and played against. Just high lefty release, very efficient. Pure stroke. Always great follow through, can stroke at 30 feet out. Yep. And can't, can't give him any space. Yep. Shout he, out to Lou. He, uh, he's, he's phenomenal. We, I played a ton with him in summer leagues too. Yeah. A couple, a couple things about both those guys. Well, I, I, I ended up being number 15. Because of Paul Trevor, when I grew up, I watched Paul Trevor and just how he played, yeah. just his intensity and how and, and just his energy, yeah. and I, I loved it. So I was like, I want to wear 15. I like that. And yeah. I just going to those games at you know at Drake when they were they were good. And then I remember watching uh, Lou play too, and I was so naive. And this is a, not a knock on on Lou because he's a good player, <laughs> but he uh, I remember hearing that he was going to Cal. And I was like, "Oh, is he gonna play a cow? Like he's got to play a cow. Like he he can shoot the heck out of the ball." All totally. this stuff. Yep. And then I, we ended up playing uh, a bunch of years in summer league, and and he was he's great. He's he can shoot it, and then he's got the air guitar. 
Yeah. Oh, has he done the air guitar after he gets hot? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen that. You haven't seen that? Oh, he's. I shut him down. He's the best. So, um, so what position did you play in high school? Because I remember you bringing the ball up as a big. I mean, you know, just I, I want our listeners to get some context. Today, it's not weird to watch a college game and to see a six eight guy, six nine guy bring the ball up the floor because. Mm-hmm. Today, as we've talked about ad nauseum, it's five out. It's mo- positionless basketball. Yeah. Back when you were playing in the early 90s, that wasn't as common. So to see you bring the ball up the court, what, other teams were like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So were you, like, what position, as you progressed freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, were you always playing guard? I was always playing the perimeter, yeah. So perimeter. My, yeah, yeah. So my freshman year... Um, I handled the ball quite a bit for the freshman team, obviously. Yeah. Um, when I got to uh, varsity my sophomore year, I played probably, I would say, like the three. Um, and I was just more of a guy like once I started getting playing time, I ended up starting towards the end of the year. Um, and it was my role was super simple. It was just defend, don't turn the ball over, yeah. know what we're doing. And that was it. And I was able to, you know, so I wasn't, I was just kind of fitting in, fitting in. And then my junior year, uh, played the three, so I was on the perimeter still. Uh, Jason Gunnerson, who was a yeah. hell of a player. Great player. Um, was, was our leader and ball handler. You know, he, he handled the ball for us and got us into all our stuff. And um, by my senior year, um, it was more out of necessity um, because we didn't have someone that could really handle the basketball and get us into what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what the coaching staff decided was, hey, why don't we have Dave bring it up, handle the ball, and and get us in our offense, initiate it, initiate the offense, yeah. and then if we want to get him down to, on the block or we want to set, you know, have him do, you know, position him somewhere else on the floor within what we run, we can do that. But we can at least he can at least handle the pressure and get us into our offense with some fluidity. You know, it's such a luxury, right? Because if you if you're playing teams that have really good guards, right, that that put a lot of pressure on your on your guards, having someone with size who can bring the ball. Because generally, I would assume that you're being guarded by yeah the other team's bigger players yeah. who maybe aren't as accustomed to guarding on the perimeter, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a huge advantage. Yeah, totally. And I and it's funny you say that about the the different just how basketball has changed. I remember when I was. We were playing the, is it the Sand Dune? Is that the one at SI, the yeah, SI tournament? Yeah, Sand Dune Classic. Yeah, we were yeah. playing in that tournament. I remember we were playing, I don't know, we were playing Berkeley or somebody, and and we were warming up, and a couple of guys on the team like walked up to me like, hey, are you that 6'6 point guard? <laughs> and it's like nowadays, it's like everybody. Everybody it is. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, but it's like, um, yeah, I think I think it was... It, 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 it helped us because we hit a rough spot my senior year. We ended up winning the league, mm-hmm. but we were struggling um, to kind of find our identity yeah. a little bit because uh, we had lost so much the previous two years. Um, and so I think the, 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 the coaching staff was pretty much like, all right, what if we made this adjustment? And this was before the shot clock too. So what we ended up doing hmm. is we ended up, I ended up bringing the ball up, got us into our flex offense, and we ran flex until we got a great look, whether it was a layup or an open jumper. That was so it annoying. It was just, and that, just, that like, changed, like my the Branson for us. Exactly. <laughs> changed the game for us. Yeah. 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 My, my Branson teams, we didn't, 
thank thank God we didn't have a shot clock. Yeah. We would we would run it down 30, 35 seconds, get a shot. The other team would come down, shoot in three seconds. We'd hold it for 40 seconds. They were just like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd win games, you know, 37 to 31. <laughs> so talk about Doug Donnellan. Um, I mean, a, amazing coach. Was 20 years, I think, at, at Drake. Won a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Legendary for being super prepared, right? Like just meticulous, detail-oriented, really detailed practice plans. What was it like playing for him? And did, did Doug, did his style or any of the things that he taught you, did that inform you as a coach later on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought uh, you know, one thing that, that, um, that I learned from, uh, from Doug and I think that he did a really good job of is, is while he did have, he, he had standards, right? So he had expectations and a standard of what, what's, you know, the non-negotiables, you know, that people like to say, you know, um, but there was flexibility, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I got to know who these guys are, yeah. right? And I got to be understanding of that. And if, if what I'm trying to do isn't fitting what, you know, these guys that we need, yeah. you know, we got to make an adjustment. And to do that, you got to know who you're coaching. So I think he did a really good job of getting to know us as people. Um, his door was always open, you know, those types of things, yeah. you know? So that was, that was huge. And then he, he didn't, you know, he, uh, he was definitely ultra prepared, like every single day, yeah. every single game, you know, super detailed. Um, but there was also freedom out there. It wasn't a controlled, you know, type of, preparation um it was it was kind of like um got a question but uh, well sorry the preparation was it like prepared about the personnel on the other team it was what they were running it was about us it was about us now there was preparation for the other team you know not so much like it is now obviously i mean now you have with technology the technology now you know every different level it's like that's that's once you're in season i mean that's what it's about like you know, preparing for your opponent. Yeah, um, there was preparation there, but it was so much about us, like how, what we do, being really, really good at, at the things that we need to be good at, yeah. um, honing in on those. Uh, and then he had, I mean, he really did a good job. I mean, he trusted his gut. That's the other thing in in games. You know, his 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 in game coaching, mm. I thought was 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 really good. I thought he did a really good good job of having a. I mean, that goes back to having a feel, knowing your kids, yeah. knowing your team, um, knowing the situation, knowing your opponent, all those different things, and then making a decision based on that. And I thought he did a phenomenal job of that. Um, I mean, he was playing a sophomore, he was playing me, but then he 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 made you know he hit the right button every time. Yeah. You know, I remember him uh, like he was. You know, we were playing. We were playing a, a, a NorCal game, and you know, you know he's he's comes. It's funny. I don't know why I bring up this story, but it kind of it's it, it makes sense to this. Uh, but he, we're playing NorCal game. I think I forgot who we're playing. I think we're playing Marysville, um, or we're playing in Marysville, and uh, someone's in foul trouble, and he comes down the bench to me and 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 Brooke Steiner. Yep. And he goes, hey, when do you guys be ready in case he comes out of the game or in case he fouls out? You better be ready. And, like, what that taught me, too, is, like, 
is like he's prepared for what's going to happen next. Right. So he's thinking about the next play, the next, yeah. you know, few things that now the, the guy didn't foul out was Nate Wood ended up staying okay. in the game, hit a big shot and, nice. and, and all that. But um, so, so those types of things, like he's not caught up in, he's watching the play, but he's thinking the game out the entire yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? So totally. it, it's it's uh, there's a lot of things from that I took, um, and and I think the biggest thing is his prep. Like like you guys touched on, like his his prep of, as far as like making sure his teams are completely prepared. And also, one thing he did uh, that I thought was really good is uh, we did a lot of skill work. We did a lot of skill work that yeah. that I know a lot of coaches don't do. Yeah. Uh, did maybe didn't do as much back then, and they still don't do. I think enough now. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that. Mike Saya, um, we interviewed Mike and Ashley, which was great discussion. And Mike was talking about playing for Pete in the '70s. And one of the things I was asking about, you know, Pete's style, and he said, I mean, we did so much shooting. Yeah. And the fun, and he said people would say like, Wow, those Drake teams shoot really well. It's like, Yeah, because we work on it. Yeah. And Pete was a great teacher of shooting. So it's interesting that. You know, Doug extended that too because I've heard that about him. That yeah. in your practices, a lot of time was spent on skill work, yeah. even in season, right? Which I think is the most important time. Absolutely, because like a lot of teams are are yeah. focusing in on on all their offense and defensive schemes and all that stuff, and then next thing you know, you haven't shot the ball in like two weeks. Right, and you're supposed to go out in a game and make shots. Like that's impossible. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. unless you're doing stuff on your own, which a lot of guys. You know, kids aren't. And you know, it's, so it's hard to find time. It's hard yeah. to find time. Yeah. What is what is a good way to do that in the context of also doing your prep? I mean, are there? And we try and obviously run our stuff, and then always have a shot at the end of it. But that's low volume shooting. Are there other ways to incorporate well, a lot of shooting within the context of that? So um, when we talked to Ashley Saya, Mike's daughter, who's mm-hmm. an amazing coach at Marine Catholic, I mean, she she said, you know, they do a ton of shooting in their practices. And it's it's interesting. I didn't bring this up with her, but so, but so do we. At Fulton does that too. Like at yeah. San Domenico, I mean, we'll have you know a ninety minute practice, and it's intense drills, shell drill, scrimmaging. But he always sets aside fifteen to twenty minutes at the end of practice for us to do shooting. Yeah, and it's it's game shooting. It's break up into teams. We're doing you know our guards are shooting threes. Our we're shooting mid range, but we're, we're getting shots up every practice at volume. Yeah, because you need to. Yeah, it's to your point, right? If you don't, I mean, this is the time where you really need to get your shot honed. Yeah, for so sure. It's, really it's such a skilled game that, like, you you have to. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think it's it's if you're let's say you're practicing for an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes. I would say I would say I would say thirty five to forty five minutes of the first part of your practice is all skill work. Hmm. You know, and then you're going in after that. You're going into your different concepts. You know, defensive and offensive stuff. A lot of maybe short, short-sided games like small, yeah. small games, sure. or three on three, four on four, and then bleeding into five on five stuff. But like, I think the more confident your kids are on the floor, the better you're going to be, regardless of what you're running, what you're doing. If they don't believe they can make a shot, yeah, because they haven't shot, doesn't matter what you run, right? You know, so I, I think. That's the biggest thing that I've taken away. Because when I was a young coach, I was just like, all right, we're doing, what do we need to get better at? We need to get better at this. And yeah. then, like, at the end of practice, like, God, we didn't even shoot. Right. You know, and then the next practice, I'm like, we got to find time to shoot. All right, we didn't even shoot. Because I'm so focused on trying to control the game 
Totally. Right? I need to let go of that and let these guys feel confident, feel good about themselves, feel comfortable, feel prepared because they got to make plays. They got to make shots. Yeah. You know? It's funny you say that. The two things that I've, my self-reflection on when I was coaching a couple years ago versus now is exactly what you said. I would spend so much time working on these concepts and not just do skill work. That's one thing. And two... I used to do a lot of five on O stuff, or as Tyler Gaffney says, on air stuff, where you know we're running our offense five on O, or doing drills without defense. Yeah, I find that as I get older, it's it's not very useful, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to give the kids exposure to playing against live defense. So that's why I love short sided games. I yeah, love three on three, four on four. Yeah, so more skill work and more live playing against defense. They got to play. They got to play. The kids don't play enough. They, they, they train with a trainer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or they play club ball, right? And that's that's pretty much one-on-one. They're, they don't play enough in a team concept, right? Yeah. So, like, you got to – and then you got to teach without – the, the hard part about that, and this isn't a knock on coaches because it's hard. you got to – Yeah. Like, you're now teaching concepts. You're not teaching within your system, right? So you have to really, really understand the game. Yeah. You know, to coach in a three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five setting. Yeah. So a lot of coaches want to control it because they only know what they know. And I, I, I also, I also kind of agree with that because you got to be confident in what you're teaching. If you don't feel confident in what you're teaching, you're you're going to lose your kids. Yep. They're not going to trust you. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 the same thing, Dave. Like I, I remember my first year at College of Marin as a head coach. We, uh, you know, I, I, we were, we were, I grinded these guys. Yeah. Like I grinded them so hard. By the end of the year, we were sixteen, we were sixteen and seven with three games left to go, and I think they were all at home. We just had to win one game to make the state tournament. We lost all three because they were just tired. They were just burnt out. Yeah, complete. And I and I and, and I, I left that 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 off season. I spent just going. I can't do that to these kids. Like that's that's on me. We lost because of me. Yeah, we lost because I my own fear of losing to make sure that we were prepared or I could control every little thing that was happening where I, these guys, they were, they were done. They were spent. Well, you absolutely can overcoach, right? I mean, not, not you personally. Yeah, for sure. In, in light, we can overcoach and, um, you know, Fulton's great at this. Sometimes he'll just say, all right, you know what? No practice today. Like we're, we're, we're a tired team. We yeah. Need a, we need a break. Yeah. Or let's watch video today. Yeah. Right. Or walk through. Or do a walk. Let's do. Let's let's get. Let's put on some music. <clears throat> shoot some shots. And all I want to do is just walk through our shell. Exactly. Just to make sure we know where we're at. Yeah. For about ten minutes, and then the rest is shooting. Yeah. The music playing. Yeah. You know. Because you want it to be a place where they want to come. Right. That's the other side of it too. Like like, hey, I'm excited about practice. Got to be fun. It's got to be some fun. It's got to be like the. I I started to to, once I figured that out. I still wanted a little bit of like them on edge, so I want a little bit of like fear, not like not not fear as far as like I don't want to make a mistake, but like I don't know what this practice is going to be. Yeah, you know, because we wanted to make sure it was physical and hard. Sure, but we also wanted to make sure it was fun. Yeah, you know, we wanted a competition to it, uh, but we wanted to make sure they wanted to come back. Like, all right, what's going to happen today? Yeah, you know. So there's one thing I wanted to come back to. It was interesting when you talk about Doug that. He spent a lot of time preparing you guys, right? When Duffy asked, like, are you looking at the opponent? I mean, I remember Steve Lavin talking to me about John Wooden when Lav was at UCLA, and he would spend a lot of time with Wooden. And Wooden's philosophy was, 
focus on us yeah. and what we do well. And don't even, wouldn't, wouldn't even, now obviously this was in the 60s and 70s, so technology wasn't abundantly available, but Wooden didn't want his players thinking about who they were playing. He didn't want them to think about Houston or St. John's or whoever they were playing. He wanted them to focus on UCLA, yeah. who we are. If we play well, that's what we can control. You can't control who we play, right? Yeah. You can control how we play. Yeah. And so um, I've always liked that. Uh, and, and today, with so much, uh, with the resources at our disposal, with Huddle and technology, and you can scout for hours and hours and hours, there's certainly value in knowing who you're playing and preparing for your opponent. Yeah. But I like coaches that really focus on, okay, let's focus on how we play, not who we're playing. For sure. For, I agree with that. I think I think there's, um, it's just depending on what level, level you're at, for sure. I think yeah. you can, um, like understanding personnel is important. Like who are you playing? Like individually, who are these kids? Yep. What, what are their strengths and weaknesses? What do we want to force so-and-so to do? That's sure. important for sure. Absolutely. But once you start getting into like what they do schematically, as far as like offensively, defensive, like you can have an offensive way of like you want to attack them for sure. But like if you're if they have thirty sets and you're trying to go over all thirty sets, you can't prepare for yeah. no. Like yeah. your your kids still don't even know your own sets. <laughs> exactly. You know, like now they're trying to learn theirs. Yeah. And have to defend it in real time. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And, and we've we've had enough interviews where the a coach will say. Yeah, I just try and give the ball to my best player, right? And as a coach preparing for another team, identifying the other team's best player and how you're going to disrupt them, how you're going to get them out of rhythm, like that's probably the number one preparation thing you know, that one might do, especially if the team has a dominant player. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. And I think also like Absolutely. what 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 uh, what are they doing that allows them to have success? So like, you know, as far as like what's – What's their philosophy? Are they a three-point shooting team? Do you like to score in the paint? Do yeah. they post up? Like those types of things. All right, we gotta, what are their strengths? And let's take away their strengths as a team. Yeah. You know? You ha- everybody has a way they're going to guard screens. Like you have that already built in. Don't adjust that. Right. You know, unless you really need to because they're killing you on something, you know? Right. But, but once you start to g- give your, your kids too much information, it's overload and they don't, they don't you know, they don't have it. Uh, any, they don't keep any of it, retain any of it, you know, even at the highest level. Like, even when I was at St. Martin's and, we, we, you know, when I was in, and even with Rich, um, you know, it was That's always that fine line yeah. as far as, all right, what should we give these guys, you know? And, and you know, both are different, you know. Yeah. Uh, Rich at Sonoma is like, hey, personnel three clips. We ran a matchup zone, so it was more about what they what they do against zone. What okay. what's, what are some of the actions that that we really need to focus in on? It was maybe like, you know, three or four, and we would go through those. Um, and then with 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 Priv at St. Martin's, it's it's more of um, you know he wants to know kind of the sets of, that he thinks we're more man to man based team. So it was more of like what sets are going to hurt us, right. and then really personnel based, like who are they personnel wise? What are the matchups we need to worry yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, because especially later in the year, everybody knows everybody. So now those scouts become just all personnel based. Like we know who they are, especially if they're league opponent. You know, yeah. it's like who's playing well right now? Where you know where, where are they getting their buckets from, and and how do we make it hard on them? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, you go from, let's go back to you as a player. So you go from Drake and you go the JC route. You go to City College, right? So how, how was that adjustment for you going from playing high school ball where you were really good to playing? I mean, now City College is a fantastic program. You mm-hmm. mentioned you love the coach. Um, yeah. So 
talk talk about going the JC route. Yeah, so I um, I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, Justin Ball, who's the head coach there now, yeah. we're the same age. So the reason that is, or how that came about is, I took two years off after high school. So I was hoping, like all these high school kids are, to get some sort of offer in something. Yeah. And nothing happened. You know, I had I had some interests, but it never materialized for me. So I was kind of lost after my senior year. Yeah. So I, I didn't play basketball for two years. I didn't go to school for two years. Um, and then I got a call from, uh, uh, it was actually, um, uh, Doug, Doug, uh, Doug actually played a role in this. He, um, uh, he got me in touch with Harry Pontizopoulos, um, who was the, at the time just got the job at City College of San Francisco that has a, a rich history of, of uh, tradition of winning. And, yeah. and uh, they had hit a little bit of a rough spot. So he was coming in. He just got the job. Um, and so when I met him, it's so funny. I met, I, I went to City College. I kind of, I almost was like I was going for a job interview. Like I kind of dressed up <laughs> and I went to. Bring your resume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I go to meet him and at City and, and uh, I walk in his office. He's like, well, actually, you know, we're going to go be, we're going to go play in a game. Um, at Holy Names, it was during the summer. Yeah, and he's like, "You want to play?" I was like, "Why, well, coach? I don't, I don't have any gear." Yeah, he's like, uh, "I do have shoes, but I have nothing else." He's like, "Well, I got some shorts and some stuff for you." So, so we head over to Holy Names in Oakland, and at the time, uh, Doug Donellan's nephew, Michael Eastus, mm-hmm. was on the team. That's kind of how this whole thing came yeah. came about. And so, uh, so I go and I, and I play, I hadn't played basketball in a long time. So I was kind of like, I just show up. I was out of shape. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, so I go, I play, I had a blast and, uh, and, and I just, I, it just felt good that somebody wanted me to be a part of their program. Yeah. You know? And so, um, I spent the, the next two years, like probably the best basketball experience of my life. Like, I think it has to do with the timing, too. Like, I was yeah. pretty, I was in a transitional stage in my own life as a young young male trying to figure it out, yeah. you know. And then I got out of kind of uh, Marin. Um, I was living in San Francisco. And uh, the first year was rough. The first year, very up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, game was going really fast. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were solid. We were okay. We weren't great. And then my sophomore year, between my, my, my freshman and sophomore year, I worked out five, six days a week, hmm. um, lifting, working out with uh, Brad Dugan, who's the legendary coach there, Legend. um, who um, is phenomenal. Just uh, uh, I owe a ton to him. Um, and uh, working out with him every day. Um, playing a bunch. I played in the Pro-Am during that time as well. In the city. Keysar. Yeah, Keysar. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, then, uh, and then going into our sophomore year, my sophomore year, we had, we had pretty much everybody back. We had some new pieces because um, we were young my first year. We were all kind of freshmen for the most part. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I, I give all the credit to, I mean, honestly, to, to Coach Ponizopoulos, who I still talk to this, to this day, um, who to me is... If you're talking about like who I learned the most from as far as as, as, as a player hmm. that I have applied to as a coach, it's him. Like just his, the way he instilled confidence while also 
being a disciplinarian and 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 being hard on you at the same time, like demanding of like you need to do this, but also like believing you at the believing yeah. you at the same time. That's that a balance, great. That's a really hard balance to strike. It's super hard. So and, so you make a mistake, you make a boneheaded play, you, you coming out. And he's reaming you, or is he letting you play through it? Like he's letting you play through it, but he's letting you know about it. Okay, you know, but he's also like, yeah. he's also the same guy. Like this is this is what I, this is why I love the guy. Like he's, you're the best player, right? You know, hey Dave, come in here. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at you the first five minutes of practice or ten minutes of practice. I'm gonna kick you out of practice. Send a message. Okay. Like, and you have this agreement with him. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah. To get everybody to to, to fall in line. This is the uh, this is the Bob Knight. We just talked about this when when Knight passed away. His he tells this great story about when he was coaching the Olympic team, and Jordan had this like they had this unbelievable first half against Spain. They're up yeah. by thirty. Jordan's got like a triple double in the first yeah. half. You yeah. see this, and he's yeah. like. I need these guys to be motivated for the first four or five minutes of the second half. <laughs> yeah. So he goes and he reams Jordan out for like, Mike, you're not setting any screens, Mike. <laughs> like all you're doing is scoring, passing, and rebounding. I need you to set some darn screens, Mike. It was, I it was, saw that. I it was, saw that. Yeah. It was great. So that's the same. That's the same. And kind he's of idea. a disciple. So like, yeah. so Brad Dugan and Bobby Knight were super tight. Right. Uh, Bobby Knight had. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Brad Dugan had a player. Uh, Garrett was the last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean uh, Garrett. Dean Garrett. Yeah. Played for, for, for Brad at City College. And he was on the national championship team for night. Yep. Yeah. And that's the connection. So that connection. Yeah. And so uh, uh, Harry Ponizopoulos, uh spent a year at Indiana. Oh, wow. And just learned from, from Knight. Yeah. So, um, so he came back. And actually, Justin LeBaugh did the same thing at Texas Tech with Bobby Knight. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, so a lot of what what we got yeah. was Bobby Knight type of stuff, you know, in a lot of ways. But but again, Harry was the same guy that was like, you know, he, he I mean, office open all the time, anything you needed. He knew my family, he yeah. knew everybody's family, uh, you know, uh, of the kids he recruited. Um, he was just he's just such a good person, and, and he poured his entire heart and soul into this thing, which is also why you know after four years of doing it. He just got burnt, burnt out. It takes a lot. You know, of I mean, his yeah. last year there, they went thirty-one and one. Wow. Lost in the, I think they, they, I don't know if they won the state championship or lost in the state championship. I think the state championship game was the only game that he lost, and they were, and and he was, he was out the next year. He couldn't do it. Yeah. You know. Um, Very. But, yeah, that's 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 really cool though. I love that he had such a good good impact on you. Yeah. Yeah. So you go from City College to San Jose State. You play D1. You, you achieve the dream of, of a young player playing D1. What was that like? It was great. It was great. I was, uh, um, I was probably that, that kid that was like, I'm going D1, D1 or bus. I might have been <laughs> one of those kids, you know, that now I, I talk to. I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. I, you know, I've been down that road. Um, <clears throat> totally. Because Trev was at Sonoma State at the time. And and okay. Trevor, Paul Trevor, yeah. Paul Trevor was there, and he was at. Uh, they really wanted me to go there. Um, one of my teammates ended up going there, Caesar Smith. Um, but uh, um, I was I was kind of I had a really good year at, at my last year. I was Player of the Year in the conference. I was first team All State, so I, I had a lot of success at City College. At City College, yeah. 
Um, so uh, uh, I got an offer from from San Jose State. Went down on a visit, and and you know I thought I was perfect. I was far enough away from home, but right. also my parents and friends, you know, and, and family could still see me play. And, yeah. And so I had a, kind of an interesting career. Like I I started, I want to say sixty one of the sixty two games. My first year, I think I led the nation. This is an interesting stat. I led the nation in in least amount of shot attempts per minutes played. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so it was uh, the 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 talent was was ridiculous. Like it really was. So we were in the yeah. we were in the whack, but at the whack that time at that UNLV. that time of year was was no it was Fresno State. Okay. Fresno State, Hawaii, Tulsa. Um, uh, those teams were all ranked in the top twenty-five. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you had, uh, shoot, you had um, Louisiana Tech was in the league. UTEP. That's right. TCU. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it was a weird Boise. Yeah. It was it was an interesting league, you know. So it was it was it was athletic. Uh, it was fast. It was talented. It was well coached. Got to play against Tark. Um, Jerry Tarkani. Yeah, yeah. Did you play point guard? No, no. So I played. Uh, I played kind of power forward. Okay. And this is this is kind of uh, you know what we were talking about earlier is what they what 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 we did is we ran the offense where I was more of the distributor. Okay. So they would run a, st- a lot of stuff with me at the high post. Right. And kind of create from there. Yeah. Um, we had some really good players. Nevada was in our league. Nevada was loaded, by the way. They were really good. They had about they had like three pros. Oh, wow. On their team, two or three pros on their team, yeah. Um, but uh, um, the experience to play at that level was great. The friendships I made were, were fantastic. Um, the uh, we weren't we didn't have much success. We were you know below five hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, I we I played for Steve Barnes. <clears throat> Steve Barnes was uh, an assistant to uh, Larry Astachy at Iowa State okay. when they had success. Yeah. Got the job. Um, and he was he was tough. He was a tough guy to play for. That I was telling someone the other day, we were talking about it, um, that's, you know, people want to go play Division One basketball, right, or college basketball, and, and they have no idea what that means, you know? They just, what they see on, yeah. on their phones or on TV. But when you get in it... It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Like, it's... It's super hard. It's you got to love it. If you don't love it, you're gonna get, yeah, you're gonna get eaten up. So talk about the sacrifices you have to make because you've got um, you've got a social life theoretically. You have academics. Mm-hmm. You have sports and a, and a Division One athlete. I don't think people appreciate how much time goes into being a Division One athlete. How it's not just two or three hours of practice. You're watching film. You got training table. You got to, you know. There's there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. It's all encompassing, right? So something's got to give, right? So so talk about sacrifices you have to make to be a D1 athlete. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I think more so now probably than than back then. You know, this was 2000 to 2002. Okay, so uh, this was a while back, but now I think the, there's more of it's controlled. I think now, or or more of it is 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 planned out. Like you have, like there's a place you have to be all the time, I think now, yeah. you know, as opposed to maybe back then. Yeah. But 
the sacrifices you're making, like you, you're not you're not going out on the week. You know, when everyone else is going out, you're not going out. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you, you got to do your 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 schoolwork on the road. Um, you know, we weren't zooming and doing that stuff back then. Right. So like, you got to get your schoolwork, you know, yeah. done. Um, you're taking tests in class, all that stuff. Um, you know, the time that you're, you know, you're up early. We were practicing at uh, 5.30 in the morning Ooh. at times, you know, and we were practicing for three hours, yeah. you know? So it's like, and it wasn't like you're practicing, like we're, let's ease into this practice. It was like, we're warming up and we're the next going. thing you know, we're like, we're hitting each other, Yeah, you know? So um, that's changed. That's not happening. No one's, I mean, if they're practicing at 5.30 in the morning, it's, it's to get some shots up. Yeah. You know? Tough. We got. Yeah, so uh, Dave, when you and John came in and spoke to our Archie Williams team during the, during the fall, which was great, um, just talking a little bit about playing together and, you know, how you've developed as a team and players, uh, I think our kids really loved it. But I remember you saying, and maybe this was the time period, the two years you took off, that you realized you couldn't do, you know, you couldn't do social you couldn't do uh, athletics uh, and study. You couldn't do all three. So yeah, you had to pick two out of the three. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I learned that. I learned that especially at City. Yeah. Um, so when when I was at City College uh, San Francisco, I I that's when I figured out like I I got to manage my time better. Like I'm I'm trying to do all these different things, yeah. and, and you can't and be good at any of them. You know. Um, so yeah, you there's definitely, you know, what I found is. It's it's focusing on 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 basketball, um, and then on schoolwork, and then the 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 social stuff is just there's a time and place for that, you know, and and uh, and you know what you, you don't know what you don't know though still like you're a young kid so you're still like hey I I don't want to miss out on this right now, <clears throat> um, but uh, but but what I found is is once I figured that out you know I, I found that I was um, uh, my game went to a whole nother level. Um, there were definitely guys on our team that were not sacrificing or were not yeah. prioritizing the right things. And it's, they suffered, you know? And, and um, but it's, it's a year round commitment for sure. Um, it's, um, it's hard. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely, extremely hard, just like mentally and physically. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you don't love it, you will fail. You, you'll, you'll just, you'll fall off. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, and I think a lot of those questions are asked when in the recruiting process um, from coaches, they, they ask you that, you know, I would ask kids that all the time. Like, do you love this game? Like, yeah. do you truly love it? You know, because if, if there's a, if there's a part of you that doesn't love it and you can kind of figure it out too, sure. you know, um, then you're just not going to, it's not going to work, you know, because it becomes, you're not, it's not a job. It doesn't, it doesn't become a job. That's not a job. People say it's like, well, it becomes a job when it's division yeah. one. It's not a job. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're playing basketball. Like, right. come on. Yeah. But it, it's, um, it's right below that because your, your time is not your own anymore. And if, if you want to be successful at it, you know. So let's, speaking of jobs, so you go from San Jose State to you actually do get a job playing basketball, which is rare right you play pro ball yeah in italy yeah um you know let, r- real quick because then i want to jump to get to coaching and i want to talk about your 707 program but pro ball what, what was that like playing playing pro in, in italy it was it was good it was um 
it was a unique, unique experience. I, uh, um, I actually, before I went over there, well, there's two Drake guys, two, two, two guys that, again, this is uh, so much of, of my basketball journey. I think all of ours is, yeah. is people kind of paying it forward, right? People sure. kind of, so I was, um, I was looking for an agent and I reached out to, um, actually before that, I reached out to, to Mike Delosio. Uh, talked about him with Dave Deneen. Yeah, yeah. I, I reached out to Mike Delosio and I asked Mike, I said, hey, you know, I'm le- thinking about playing basketball overseas and I just want to get your, I know you played, you got a career over there. Yep. Um, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. And he was pretty honest with me. He was like, look, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Like hmm. people want to do it and that's great. And, and there's a lot of good things to it, but like you're on your own. You don't yeah. speak the language. Yeah. You're practicing twice a day. You know, like you play once a week. There's a lot of downtime. It's like it's it, you're away from family and friends. It's like it's hard. And how's the money? The money, it, it's it's decent. Yeah, okay. I was I was. I mean, there's a lot of people that that are going over and playing that aren't making money. They're yeah. like they're getting their room and board paid for. It's a stepping stone for yeah, them, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I was fortunate enough to make money. Okay. Um, but there were guys on my team that were making a lot more money than I was making. I got lucky too because I I made. Uh, the highest I, I was playing in series series A one A one okay so I I I, um, I ended up getting my agent through Steve Lavin he got me in touch with a guy based out of, out of San Francisco um, I go over there um, he actually calls me this was before Thanksgiving right around this time actually yeah he goes I'll have something for you for sure um, right after Thanksgiving and I said okay whatever <laughs> and uh, sure enough he calls me on a on a Saturday. He goes, all right, can you fly out to Sicily on, on, on Monday? Oh, wow. I'm like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> Better do my laundry. Yeah, exactly. So I'm on a plane on Tuesday flying out to, uh, to Sicily. I have a tryout at uh, Messina, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Series, series A1, and uh, um, really good team. Matt Bonner's on the team. Oh, nice. A long-time Spur. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, we actually shared the same agent. It was crazy how we had the same agent. I remember we, we had a conversation about it when I was out there, and there was a kid from Kentucky. I forgot his name, um, but they were. It was. It was. It was, was like good, high level basketball. Good talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was actually feeling really good about how I was playing. I was playing a lot of leagues here. I was working out a ton. Yeah. So I was prepared. I went over there. I thought I played well. I was there for about a week and a half. Um, they couldn't. They 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 didn't sign me. So my agent goes, hey, there's another team that you need to go, go to. Uh, and he goes, I got this guy picking you up. Well, actually, you're going to take a bus from, from Messina. Or no, he's going to meet you at the Messina bus station. So I go, okay. So this guy pulls up in a, a, a mini, mm-hmm. and like, like a two-seater mini. Yeah. And this little Italian guy speaks no English. And he's like, uh, uh, Davide? Davide? Yeah. And I go, yeah. See, and, and so I get in the car and he you drives. Fit, wait, first of all, you fit in the Mini? I fit in the Mini. Okay. We drive two and a half hours to Ragusa, okay. this small town. And uh, I don't think there was two words said, spoken to each other. Yeah. Because I, I, at the time I wasn't speaking. I, didn't, I couldn't speak Italian. But uh, so he drops me off. I, I'm, I'm there. This is at, a, at a, an A2 level team just a step below. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm there for two days, two or three days. Um, I, I try out there. I play with them, practice with them. Um, they tell me they want to sign me. 
but we, we don't have the money to sign you, right? So then I go all the way back to, uh, to Reggio Calabria. I come back up to Reggio Calabria. So Sicily, Messina is like, like, like a stone's throw, like just the Reggio Calabria is tip of the boot. Mm-hmm. And then Messina is right, a ferry ride uh, right there on Sicily. Got it. So I go to Reggio Calabria. It's actually a... Um, Ginobili's old team. That's where Ginobili played. Yeah. Um, so I go there, um, and I make that team. And they're a Series A. They're an A1 team. And uh, so that's where I ended up signing, playing. Awesome. Um, I had some great people there, really good people. I had a, There was a vet there, J.J. Eubanks, who was 36 years old, who had played 15 years professionally. Mm. His family's there. Like, he knows the deal. He's a guy that's, like, playing the year out. And then a French team that's in the playoffs is going to sign him for, right. you know, right after. Just a hired guy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Um, Lavelle Blanchard, who was uh, played at Michigan, hmm. was player of the year in the in the Big Ten. He was there. Like guys that, that and there was a ton of, uh, ton of young pros um, that were in the league that were like, you know, 16, 17 years old yeah. that were playing in the league. They ended up playing... Ty said he was in the league. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so it, it ended up being a great experience. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I came. I was there. I ended up being out there for like nine months. Uh, kind of like I touched on earlier, it was it was two practices a day. Yeah. Played once a week. We played on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Sunday <clears throat> off where everything was closed. Yeah. So, um, right. uh, but the people in, in Calabria were phenomenal. Like, super friendly passionate about the game um you know i got to travel throughout italy uh four of the teams um that qualified for the euro league the year before got to play the top four teams got to play in the euro league so they're playing like 70 games or something like that and they're playing all over yeah um we're only playing in the italian league you know so we're playing like i don't know maybe 30 games or something like that um but uh, very cool what a cool experience for you yeah that's awesome yeah um so Let's talk about a little bit, touch on coaching. We talked a lot about coaching, which was awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in your perspective because you've coached at, you know, coached the high school, you've coached at junior college, you've coached at D2, played D1, played pro. So when you're looking at players now, and now you're running your own club um, program, what do you look at when you're evaluating players? What jumps out at you? Um, the, the first thing, if I'm <clears throat> college level specifically, is can they make shots? That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, can they make shots? And, 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 and um, are they skilled? Can they handle the ball? Do the basic skill, skill set, right? But, yeah. but I, I took that from, I remember hearing a conversation from uh, Lou Dawson when he was at Arizona that uh, they asked him that exact question. They said, what do you look for in a recruiter? I said, I want, I want someone that can make shots. And I'm like, he's right. Like, you need... Pretty people simple. that can make shots. Yeah. Like, that's a huge thing. So that's the first thing. Like, can this person make shots? Yep. Like, can they... And however they can get a bucket, you know, to me, is 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 key. Um, the second thing is is feel. Do they have a feel for the game? Yeah. Like, do they have any sort of understanding of how to play the game? Um, that's extremely, extremely important because I think there's less and less kids with a feel on how to play. Um, so is there an understanding? Um, and then there's a, a competitive toughness, like playing hard and competing are two different things, yeah. you know, like, 
a lot of kids play hard, but they're not, there's no purpose to what they're doing. Right. You know, but is this person like willing to compete and do whatever it takes to win the game, you know, or get, put themselves and their team in a position to win the game, you know, like that's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I had, I once had a boss that told me, you know, Dave, there's a difference between effort and productivity. Yeah, yeah. So you can put a lot of hours into something, but if you're not productive and produce something that's useful for me, then it's not going to be very good. And so kind of what you're talking about, it's a great way to put it, right, is a lot of kids play hard. Yeah. We always talk about playing hard, but yeah, it's competing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Are you talking about this podcast, Dave? Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, But you have to define that. So like you can't tell a kid like, hey, like you're playing hard, but you're not competing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like you got to quantify those things for these kids these days, you know? So it's like, hey, this is, I need you to get a rebound every three minutes. Like, yeah. let's look at your, 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 your time of play. Let's look how many rebounds you have. Yeah. Yeah, you're running hard, right. but like, you're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. You know, we need you to get the ball. Like, that tells me that you're actually competing. Right. You know? Um, so certain things like that, you know, like, um, and... And so I think, I think that's, those are huge things. So making shots, be able to, to make shots, understanding and feel for the game, um, being able to uh, com- competing, yeah. being a competitor. And then I think, I think, you know, some other things that, that are definitely, definitely important are uh, what kind of teammate? Yeah. What kind of teammate are you? Like, I, like if you're watching a game, like when I'm watching a game and I'm and I'm watching a player, if I already know those things, like I know the guy can make shots, yep. I know the kid can can you know has a pretty good feel, you know those types of things. All right, I'm just gonna watch his interaction with on every play. Like, you know, if someone on the team shoots and misses, is he dropping his shoulders before he runs back? Right. You know, <laughs> like that type of stuff. Yeah. I watch it even when I watch uh, games on TV. Sure. Like if I watch a Warrior game, I'll watch like if. I saw it the other day, like Clay's in the corner. Uh, uh, now these are pros, but this is where they, they they get this from, right? Yeah. Like Chris Paul has the ball, Clay's in the corner waiting for it, doesn't get it, and he drops his shoulders. Yeah. Like if I saw a kid do that, like I'm like I don't know if I want to recruit this kid. Like yeah. he's like, you got a great point guard that didn't get you the ball that one time, and you're pouting right. for that split second. Right. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Number one reason Jordan Poole got. Traded, I think, is the number of slumped shoulders. Yes, yes. Steph used to be bad about that. I would say he went into a couple-year period where he wasn't doing it much. But you know, he yeah, he will show it. He'll, he'll yeah, he'll, show he'll throw it. the mouthpiece every now and yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that those are all those are all great. And then how you interact points. with your coach, Absolutely. right? How you interact with your coach. Um, how are you on the bench? How you are on the bench? Yeah. How are you with your teammates when like guys on the floor? What are you doing? Like just those things matter. You know, I think they've always mattered, but like for you now, I feel like there's so much parity. Yeah. You know that there's so much talent out there. There's so much talent. Yeah. That's kind of like, pretty equal. Right. That like you need something with your team to separate yourself, yeah. separate your, your team from 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 another team. Uh, from your opponent, and I think so much of that is how you deal with success and failure throughout a game. Yep. You know, how do you react? Are you just even keel throughout? Are you this emotional roller coaster? Right. You know. Yep. <clears throat> so I think I think those things are are things you watch 
um, that I, I think that kids don't know they're being, you know, that are being watched, you know? Coaches see it. Yep. No, that's, that's great stuff. So um, we talked a lot about kind of p- practice planning and, and coaching. I'm just, I'm curious for, um, for you, drills that you like? What are, what are your, fa- and I want, I want to hear about the famed Granucci drill that Duffy mentioned to me. I don't know if you know what that is, but. The Granucci drill is the, the. Close that one. The close out progression uh, from 1v1 to 2v2 to 3v3 that you showed us. Oh, did you like that drill? Practice. Yeah, that we've been using it, and now it's named the Granucci drill. Well, that's the one that we did, right? Yeah, we did, yeah, in practice with, uh, yeah, you got the offense starting at the block, and you've got your yeah, yeah. starting at the wing. The wing has to run down, yeah. and close out uh, on the, you know, the high foot, and uh, then you're live. Yeah, yeah. So that drill... Uh, um, again, someone's, everyone's borrowing from everybody. That's what you do, right? So we did that at Sonoma State. So essentially what it is is it's – I think it's a great drill to get your offensive players to to catch the ball ready to shoot. Like I think it's it's extremely important that you have eyes on the rim as soon as you catch the ball. God, all Fulton and I say every day in practice over and over again is be ready to shoot. Yeah. It's just like a, it's such – Duff even told me that in our adult league. He told me that I'm not ready to shoot. <laughs> Damn it. And one tweak of this drill, which is important, is that if the guy comes out, because the coach is passing the ball. So it's a closeout? It's a, yeah, but if the guy comes out to catch the ball of the, the, the offense, if they don't have their hands up, if they're not calling for the ball, they don't get it. You're off back of the line. Got it. Yeah, it's great. So being shot prep, that's something that like is so huge. And people think, like, oh, i got to be shot prep when the ball gets in my hands. No, it's like that's before the ball is there, you're shot prep ready. You right. know, so right. So um so what the drill is essentially is you have your um uh your defensive player on the on the wing, your offensive player on the block. Okay. Okay. As soon as the coach says go, the uh the defensive player runs to touch the block and then come out and close out. The the, the offensive player on the block comes in the wing to get a catch. Got it. The basis of this is you catch the ball. If he's off you, you're shooting it. Yep. If he's on you, you're driving it. So initially it's, all right, let's, it's dummy defense. Yeah. So like if he's, if he's late, you shoot it. If he's there, defense, let him drive it. He's just got to read it and kind of see it and yep. feel it first. Yep. And then you go live. So you go 1v1. And then you can add two. So now you add the other wing. And then you can add three. You can go from the baseline and corner. That's great. I love so it. So it's a. Uh, um, use this one. It's a really good drill, I think. To to and defensively too. You're working on closeouts. You're working on positioning, um, because you know when when, and then from there you're working. Once you get into three on three and, and two on two, now you're talking about concepts, decision making, yep. both offensively and defensively. Well, were you forcing? You know, where where why weren't you in that gap? Yeah. You know, why are you closing out to your guy when the ball is over here? You know, those types of things. And then offensively, well, you drove, you drew the help. Why aren't you exiting the ball? Yeah. You know, and that's one thing we learned in watching uh, at, at their practice, Archie Williams' practices. Sometimes they were they were shooting tough twos. Like, that's the whole thing now is, like, yeah. let's get to the basket and let's try to shoot these tough twos instead of just exiting the ball for a, a warm-up three. Make the extra pass. Yeah. Yep. So Awesome. I, lo- I love that. Um, okay, Dave, I want to give you a chance to <clears throat> talk to us about 707 Premiere. Yes. Um, I started this um, this organization, this program, about almost three years ago. Um, 
and it's basketball specific right now, but we're not opposed to doing other sports. Um, my intention for this was, uh, was initially we were, we were looking at potentially doing, you know, uh, um, the long-term goal was, was potentially getting a uh, multi-sports facility. Right. Okay. So we knew if we were going to do something like that, we needed to develop some programming. In the North Bay, in, in, in Napa. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where I live, yeah. yeah. So up in Napa. There's nothing, there's nothing up there. Um, um, and, and so what we did is we started programming. And uh, within it, I just realized, well, wait a minute. Like the, the, the multi-sports facility is a great idea, but like going down that road. And actually, I was working with Tom Poser a little bit about it, yep. with it. And talking to him, and it's just, it's just, it's, it's a lot of work if you're going to do something like that. Yeah, you know, especially on a large scale. Um, a smaller scale, you know, is possible. But anyway, so we we uh, we started developing programming, and it kind of just uh, it came from that idea. So it wasn't initially like I want to start this club program. Yeah. At all. Um, in fact, like the, the the club side of it, as far as like the AAU stuff, mm-hmm. is is just a necessary thing to have yeah. within the, the, you know, the basketball um, kind of realm of the other things that you do, you know? So, so we started this a few years ago and, and uh, we, we, right when we got out of COVID, we started a, uh, we had a, a, like a third through eighth grade uh, league. Um, and it went for about five weeks or something like that, five or six weeks. And, and it just, people loved it. And I think a combination of two things. One, it was, everyone was finally out of the house and could be around each other. Right. And then two, I think it was organized and, and run well and, and, and coached well. So they felt good about it. Great. So we just started building on top of that. So um, we now essentially work with kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade kids. Great. We run, uh, we have club teams uh, in the spring, um, fall and winter now. Uh, we have youth leagues in the spring, in the fall. Uh, we had uh, we had an all star game. We had a high school and junior college all star game, which was which was great to bring to the to the community. Awesome. Um, and then we we have uh, um, we do training, obviously as well. And then uh, um, we're going to get into some tournaments and some things some things of that nature too. But it's been great because it's actually, I think it's made it's. Our basketball has <clears throat> has improved in the area. Yeah, it's gotten better. That's fantastic. You know, so like that's that's the biggest thing. And 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 the the other reason that I started it too was because we were so fortunate to have great coaches growing up. Like we were so lucky. Yeah. And and not to say that I'm a great coach, I think that that I am able to 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 bring in some really good people to help teach the game to these young these young people and also to the parents like you know yeah. that's the other side of it too is like there's a lot of these parents that just don't have time yeah you know um and or don't know the game and need to learn the game too so it's been it's been great the community's been really uh, positive about it and and um we've really enjoyed it awesome well i'll say it you are a great coach and i love what you've done um duffy yes oh i agree great coach but i also want uh to plug the website how do we find you? Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. It's great. It's great. Great minds. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, 707premier.com. Um, awesome. 
And uh, yeah, we, we have, uh, <clears throat> right now we have, like I mentioned, we have our winter teams. We got training coming up and we have a, a holiday hoops camp. Um, the, what is it, December 18th or the 21st? Because we get out of school a little bit earlier um, up there. Okay. Um, and then I'm actually helping uh, Neil Chavez, who's the coach at. Uh, oh, yeah, we know Neil. Yeah. Love him. Is, uh, is, I'm helping him out, actually. I'm going to be working with him at, at a camp at. Uh, at TAM, um, great. 27th to the 29th, yeah. So he's uh, he's great. He played for me, and, and he's awesome. So Yeah, I mentioned that, yeah, when, when you were at College of Marin, you had, you had two Chavez's on your team. Right? Yes. Neil yeah, and, yeah, Neil yeah. Um, so awesome. Uh, just like what, you know, what NBBA and 24-8 are doing here in Marin, uh, Dave's doing with 707 up, up in Napa in the North Bay, and he's doing a fantastic job. So uh, we're huge fans of 707, so go check out the website support the program um this has been super fun dave uh i could keep talking but we're, we're running long so let's go to crunch time this is the big the big moment all right okay. this is the end of the interview it's supposed to be efficient it's not because i drone on and on but i'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions give me your answer okay okay toughest player you've ever played against uh melvin eli Ooh. Mm, fresno state Fresno, was he Fresno yeah, State? Fresno State. Then played for uh, played for Charlotte. Yeah, he was in the pros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good answer. All right. Uh, how about toughest player in Marin that you've ever played against? Toughest player in Marin I ever played against. Uh, Bucky Chavez. You made it in again. It had to happen. Bucky. It had to happen. Okay. Favorite coaches and or players to watch in college, pro, whatever. Um, I love watching, uh, I do love watching Steve Kerr coach. Yeah. Um, I loved watching Jay Wright coach. Villanova. Uh, yeah. We talk about him a lot. Um, two foot jump stops. In yeah. The, yeah. In the paint. Yeah, exactly. Um, players, um, you know, I don't know if I enjoy like, I don't know how many players I really enjoy watching right now. So I, I'm a cool. big I'm a big Warrior fan. Yeah. So, like, I'm really I'm actually I hated Chris Paul. Yeah. But because he's a Warrior and watching him play right now, like his assist to turnover ratio was like nine to one. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm I'm totally in the same boat. I used to hate him and now I love him. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually enjoying watching him play. Nice. Yeah. Uh, favorite gym in Marin. Ah, Drake Jen. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good talk. Okay. And the pavilion. Fairfax Pavilion. Yes. Fairfax. Where, where yeah. it all started. Yes. All right. I have a story about that. I'll save it. <laughs> Dream team. You're playing pickup. The old Drake outdoor courts. It's you and four others. Who, who are you playing with? Uh, Buck. Um, I'd say Buck, Mike, Hayward. Um... Uh, that's a great question. So, Bucky, Mike Hayward. Uh, we need a guard in there. Well, you you can bring it up. I guess okay. I could. We can go. We can go big. Devore was a beast. Oh, yeah, this is a very Drake heavy team. I like it though. Devore and um, <sighs> you need a little guy. You need somebody speedy. But I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's got to be guys that played during that time, right? Well, it could be anybody. 
Well, no, I... Uh, it could be Chris Paul. I mean, it could be Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, uh, it's more fun if it's Marin guys. Well, no, I, I want it to be Marin guys, but I also want it to be guys that played in that era, too. Yeah. So, like, they know. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, you could have... It sounds like they're going to go 4v5. Four, four no, 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 no. We've got to go with somebody else. You could go else. Chris uh, Fulton. You could go Mike Fulton. You could go Steve Spencer. Go Jimmy Sia. Yeah. But see, I didn't see those guys play. Yeah. Go Mike Bravelli. Paul Trevor. Paul Trevor, okay. He'll handle it for us. Lockdown defense. Yeah. I like it. Uh, all right, who wins a game of Granucci Horse? Um, I think John. John's got some trick shots. Like, he, he messes around and, and does, some, does some things as far as, like, just... I think, he, I think he practices that from time to time. I think he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an annoying guy to play horse yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I'd say John does. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Duff, do you have any, anything else for crunch time? Well, I, I see a couple more questions on the list. Are you skipping those? Do you want, you want me to go for them? Okay. Give, give one. Give Favorite one. coaching, like, quote, expression, one-liner, aphorism, whatever? Um, yeah, I, it, it's so funny because, and I know you, I, I don't want to be long-winded, but I make a point, like, not to, to try to read anything coaching-related. Okay. Because I don't want to be influenced by yeah. by somebody else. I want to make sure it's like it's my personality. You. It's, it's me. Yeah. But <clears throat> I'll take it from from Jim Bravelli because he did mentor me when I when I got the job at at uh, um, College Marin. At College Marin. Yeah. So I I'd, I'd say kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. There you go. Okay. That's my number one. Keep yeah. It simple, stupid. All right. Last one. This isn't on the list, but I just I like to ask it. What's your favorite restaurant in Marin? Uh. I've never had a bad meal at Buckeye. Okay. That's, that's two days in a row. Two days in a row. Karen Horsmeyer said the same thing. Uh, Dave Granucci, you're the man. Uh, love your perspective on playing, coaching. You're a thoughtful, awesome dude. Um, and this is great stuff. Uh, listeners support 707 Premier. And uh, this is great. Duff, anything to add? Thank you for driving down from Sonoma today to be with us, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Thank yep. All right. Thank you, Coach. That was awesome. And Coach, Coach Dave, what did you think about our friend Coach Dave? Uh, As I said, I love that discussion. thought it was really fun uh, and really insightful. Uh, I'll I'll point out of the many things I could talk about, the two things that jumped out to me. One, I really love his discussing the difference between playing hard and competing. And I've used that one a lot the last couple weeks with our San Domenico girls. Um, we were down in San Diego playing against really, really good teams. And um, I was just emphasizing to us the importance of not just playing hard, but competing. So playing hard is, you know, running, sprinting the floor and trying to get the rebound. Competing is actually getting the rebound or finishing that layup, right? Um, and I thought Dave did a great job of talking about that. And then the other thing was I, I really enjoyed his discussion about Harry Ponizopoulos at City College and what a uh, amazing coach he was and how formative he was to Dave Granucci's career as a player and coach. And just that Harry had this combination of believing in you and instilling confidence in you, but also being a disciplinarian and not letting mistakes slide. And that's a really hard balance to strike. And it sounds like Coach Ponizopoulos did a great job of striking that balance. Right. And you, it's really hard to do and be authentic at the same time. Right? Exactly. Because as a coach, you would most coaches would tend one way or the other. Right. right? And not have 
the balance. And if they're going for the balance, it might be manufactured. And if you're manufacturing it, yeah. the kids will know. And then you start to lose them. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, so tough. I just thought that was cool. What do you got, okay. Duff? Uh, well, I talked in the interview uh, about a number of, you know, uh, Coach Granucci's attributes and uh, drills that he brought to our practice at RT Williams. I won't go into depth of those again, other than to say that he had a pretty significant impact in a brief amount of time yeah. with our boys. And uh, we're still doing the Granucci drill, yeah, I would say at least once a week now into, uh, into January. So thank you, Dave, for that. And uh, I did think it was a pretty cool stat uh, that he, at one point uh, at uh, San Jose State, he led the nation in the least amount of shot attempts, attempts per minute played. So it's one of those things, no matter what you do on the floor, you can find a way con to contribute. And there'll be a stat at some point, you know, because now we're totally, we're statted out on everything, right? Dave, you, you can find a stat if you're playing the right way that will demonstrate how you're playing the right way. I once mentioned to my daughter, Lucy, on her CYO team that she was a glue player. And she looked at me quizzically like, what does that mean being a glue player? That sounds bad. Uh, and then Jordan Lewis was talking about that when he was at Cal Poly. He mentioned, yeah, I was a glue guy. A glue player is just someone that makes the team better when you're on the floor. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to score. Uh, Dave Granucci was a glue guy. He yeah. made the team better. The fact that he had all those minutes, there are only five spots on the floor. This is a Division One team. If you're not good, you're not playing. Yeah. He's on the floor. He's not taking a lot of shots, right? So um, maybe that's because of the offense they ran or there were other guys who were better shooters. But uh, I thought that was a really interesting statistic. And it just shows you the guy got a lot of minutes because he was a glue guy. Yeah, and that's important. Absolutely. Uh, my daughter Haley, by the way, also a, a glue girl. Uh, when she was in CYO, she used to be the one who'd get out the glue gun before the game. Oh, literally a glue player. Okay. Yeah, she's pretty good with the glue gun, but she'd put together like the, uh, the signs and the other promo stuff for the team using the glue gun. Uh, but yeah, we have talked about having an episode dedicated to that. We have. And we should do that. We, we, we totally should. Absolutely. Not everybody can be a KK, dropping 30 a game. Yeah, yeah it, really, there's only one him or one her. That's that right. By nature of the term, that's the way it works. True. But you still have to feel the rest of the team. True. So, uh, Dave, thanks again. Uh, and everybody support 707 Premier. And then, Duff, we've got some great episodes coming up. Uh, we've, we've banked a couple awesome interviews. We have next week uh, Alex Pribble, amazing guy. Uh, we're breaking him up into two episodes. Two-parter, yeah. Because Prib has a, an incredible story as a player and then has continuing to have a great career as a coach. So we thought, let's talk about him as a player for one episode and then talk about his coaching in the other episode. That was brilliant. Who, who thought of that? That was you, Duffy. Brilliant. Uh, yes, and then um, just this week, we had a great interview with Coach Honick, Jonas Honick, uh, legendary coach at Branson and now at Prolific Prep. Prolific Prep plays on ESPN2 this weekend uh, at, what, 4.30 p.m. on Saturday? On Sunday against Montverde and Cooper Flagg, who is the hands-down number one uh, high school player in the country who's going to Duke. Uh, so Prolific's going to be playing against them. We had a really fun time talking to Coach Honick. He was my high school coach. Um, that, was a, that was a lot of fun. And then we have some scheduled interviews coming up that are going to be awesome. Uh, Carrie Barrett, um, Novato legend. Novato played at Cal. Yep. Yeah. Doug DeVore, Drake legend, along with his son, Josh DeVore, current star for Novato High, uh, and many others. So um, we'll keep it going. Yeah, Phil Jackson's a soft maybe, I, I believe. Well, he's apparently listened to at least half of one of our podcasts. <laughs> True story. Um, I, before we go, Dave, wanted to once again thank our sponsors. And uh, 
put out a plug for our website. Angela Ballard continues to update that with pictures. Uh, we have continued to add show notes uh, when we have the time available to do so. But over, over the course of the next couple of weeks to months, uh, we will have the show notes on there, I think, for just about every episode as well as on the website. Uh, you can email us at the podcast at gmail.com. It's not too late to send us some correspondence from your team of choice. Uh, and you can hit up the Instagram at runtmcpodcast is our Instagram. And our website is www.theruntmcpodcast.com. Or as Heather Sager says, theruntmcpodcast.com. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then finally, uh, thanks to Ethan Castle and Bait Preps Insider. He had a nice shout out both to our Archie Williams team, uh, in particular Brian Wright, but as well as to uh, the our podcast on episode 31. And he gives a very detailed, uh, very detailed analysis on many of the basketball teams competing across many divisions yeah. uh, in Northern California. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. Last little announcement I'll give uh, Dave, and I found this from Ethan is the, if you're looking to go out of county for basketball this weekend, there is the Martin Luther King John Lewis Memorial Tournament at Miramonte High School. And that is Saturday, starting at 1230, running all the way until 8 p.m. And you have teams like Northgate, Granada, Lincoln, Miramonte, Marin Catholic, San Ramon, Val San Ramon Valley, and Archie Williams all participating. So that should be a good day of games. Those are for our Marin fans who quote unquote travel, as Kevin Vasquez once asked me, do you travel? Yes. And the answer is yes. So this has been the Run TMC podcast, the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball. And we thank you listeners for sticking with us. And uh, once again, big thanks to Coach Granucci for being an awesome guest. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. <laughs>